Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Wednesday, December 6, 2023. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, say hello to Gemini, Google's new AI model designed to go head-to-head with OpenAI. Governments have been spying on your phone's notifications, but Apple couldn't tell you about that until now. Why is Twitch shutting down service in what is one of the biggest markets in the world for esports? And another attempt to bridge the blue and green bubble divide in iMessage. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Well, I guess they head faked us, so mea culpa. Google this morning announced Gemini, a new AI model with three tiers, Ultra, Pro, and Nano, and plans a paid version in 2024. Google says the new Bard beats free chat GPT, but generally they want you to know that Gemini is going to go head-to-head with everything OpenAI does, quoting Gizmodo. Gemini, the company's most powerful AI to date, comes to Bard and Pixel 8 Pro smartphones starting today and will soon integrate with other products across Google services, including Chrome, Search, Ads, and more. Google has a top-line message it wants you to hear. This thing is way better than anything you'll get from OpenAI. Gemini comes... In three tiers, Gemini Ultra is Google's most powerful model, pitched as a competitor to OpenAI's GPT-4. Gemini Pro is a mid-range model, powered to beat out GPT-3.5, the baseline version of ChatGPT. Last is Gemini Nano, a more efficient model built to run on mobile devices. As of Wednesday, Bard is running on a finely tuned version of Gemini Pro, said Sophie Sharon, vice president of Google Assistant and Bard at a press conference. This will have more advanced reasoning, planning, understanding, and other capabilities, she said. Sharon said, Google will roll out a paid version of the chatbot running on Gemini Ultra early next year that the company calls Bard Advanced. She declined to share details on pricing. Google shared a long list of benchmarks showing that on almost every measure, the new Bard outperforms the free version of ChatGPT. The company shared several demonstrations of Bard's new supercharged abilities, including a collaboration with YouTuber Mark Rober, in which the AI helps build a hyper-accurate paper airplane. Along with Bard, Gemini is also coming to Pixel 8 Pro Android phones in a Wednesday update, albeit in a limited capacity. Gemini Nano now powers the Summarize feature on Android's recorder app on Pixel 8 Pros. Google says the AI will also power Android's Smart Reply feature on the Pixel 8 Pro, but only if you're using the Google Keyboard and only in WhatsApp. The company says Gemini is coming to more messaging apps and other parts of the operating system next year. For now, GPT-4 is the most powerful model available to the public. Google says it has GPT-4 beat, and Gemini Ultra will be the best AI on the market when it rolls out. With a score of over 90%, Gemini is the first AI model to outperform human experts on the industry standard benchmark MMLU, said Eli Collins, vice president of product at Google DeepMind. It's our largest and most capable AI model. MMLU, short for Massive Multitask Language Understanding, measures AI capabilities using standard tests in a combination of 57 subjects such as math, physics, history, law, and medicine. It's unclear when the public will get to see the proof, however. Over the last week, the information reported that Google pushed back the Gemini launch because the AI, quote, didn't reliably handle some non-English queries. Google's in-person Gemini demos, which were slated for this week, were postponed indefinitely. In response to questions about the alleged foreign language problems, Collins said, quote, Gemini is actually quite performant with regards to multilingual capabilities. 
Google wouldn't get more specific than to say Gemini Ultra will be available early next year. Google stressed that Gemini is built for multimodal performance, meaning it can comprehend different kinds of information such as text, images, video, audio, and more. Google shared a video where a Gemini-powered bard helps with a student's physics homework, starting with a photo of the assignment with handwritten questions. The AI then seamlessly transitions to written advice, complete with equations and a step-by-step answer set." More on Gemini Nano coming to the Pixel 8 Pro, quoting The Verge. Gemini may be the biggest, most powerful large language model or LLM Google has ever developed, but it's better suited to running in data centers than on your phone. With Gemini Nano, though, the company is trying to split the difference. It built a reduced version of its flagship LLM that can run locally and offline on your device. Well, a device anyway, the Pixel 8 Pro, is the only Nano-compatible phone so far, but Google sees the new model as a core part of Android going forward. If you have a Pixel 8 Pro starting today, two things on your phone will be powered by Gemini Nano, the auto-summarization feature in the Recorder app, and the smart reply of the Gboard keyboard. Both are coming as part of the Pixel's December feature drop. Both work offline since the model is running on the device itself, so they should feel fast and native. Google is starting out quite small with Gemini Nano. Even the smart reply feature is only Gemini-powered in WhatsApp, though Google says it's coming to more apps next year. And Gemini as a whole is only rolling out in English right now, which means many users won't be able to use it at all. Your Pixel 8 Pro won't suddenly feel like a massively upgraded device, though it might over time if Gemini is as good as Google thinks it can be. And next year, when Google brings a Gemini-powered bard to Assistant on Pixel phones, you'll get even more of the Gemini experience. Nano is the smallest, duh, of the Gemini models, but Demis Hasibis, the CEO of Google DeepMind, says it still packs a punch. It has to fit on a footprint, right, he says, the very small footprint of a Pixel phone. So there's memory constraints, speed constraints, all sorts of things. It's actually an incredible model for its size, and obviously it can benefit from the bigger models by distilling from them and that sort of thing. The goal for Nano was to create a version of Gemini that is as capable as possible without eating your phone's storage or heating the processor to the temperature of the sun. Right now, Google's Tensor 3 processor seems to be the only one capable of running the model. But Google is also working on a way to build Nano into Android as a whole. It launched a new system service called AI Core that developers can use to bring Gemini-powered features into their apps. Your phone will still need a pretty high-end chip to make it work, but Google's blog post announcing the feature mentions Qualcomm, Samsung, and MediaTek as companies making compatible products. Processors. Developers can get into Google's early access program now, end quote. Google, by the way, has also updated BARD to use its new Gemini Pro models, as I said, the middle tier of the Gemini series, and says it's the biggest and best upgrade yet that can match ChatGPT in terms of performance. Speaking of developers and chips, Google has also announced the cloud TPU V5P, its most powerful AI accelerator yet, quoting TechCrunch. A V5P pod consists of a total of 8,960 chips and is backed by Google's fastest interconnect yet with up to 4,800 GBPS per chip. Google trained Gemini on these new custom chips. It's no surprise that Google promises that these chips are significantly faster than the V4 TPUs. The team claims that the V5P features a 2x improvement in flops and 3x improvement in high bandwidth memory. That's a bit like comparing the new Gemini model to the older OpenAI GPT 3.5 model, though. Google itself, after all, 
already moved the state of the art beyond the TPU V4. In many ways, though, the V5e pods were a bit of a downgrade from the V4 pod, with only 256 V5e chips per pod versus 4,096 in the V4 pods, and a total of 197 T-flops, 16-bit floating point performance versus V5e chips versus 275 for the V4 chips. For the new V5p, Google promises up to 459 T-flops of 16-bit floating-point performance, backed by the fastest interconnect. Google says all of this means the TPU V5P can train a large language model like GPT-3-175B 2.8 times faster than the TPU V4, and do so more cost-effectively, too, though the TPU V5E, while slower, actually offers more relative performance per dollar than the V5P." End quote. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at CutsClothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. CutsClothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Senator Ron Wyden has said that unidentified governments have been surveilling smartphone users via various apps push notifications, which is interesting enough, but further interesting is the news that Apple at least knew about this, but had to keep quiet about it until now. Quoting Reuters, 
Apps of all kinds rely on push notifications to alert smartphone users to incoming messages, breaking news, and other updates. These are the audible dings or visual indicators users get when they receive an email or their sports team wins a game. What users often do not realize is that almost all such notifications travel over Google and Apple servers. That gives the two companies unique insight into the traffic flowing from those apps to their users, and in turn puts them in, quote, a unique position to facilitate government surveillance of how users are using particular apps, Wyden said. He asked the Justice Department to, quote, repeal or modify any policies that hindered public disclosures of push notification spying. In a statement, Apple said that Wyden's letter gave them the opening they needed to share more details with the public about how governments monitor push notifications. Quote, in this case, the federal government prohibited us from sharing any information, the company said in a statement. Now that this method has become public, we are updating our transparency reporting to detail these kinds of requests, end quote. The Department of Justice did not return messages seeking comment on the push notification surveillance or whether it had prevented Apple or Google from talking about it. Google did not return messages seeking comment. Wyden's letter cited a tip as the source of the information about the surveillance. His staff did not elaborate on the tip, but a source familiar with the matter confirmed that both foreign and U.S. government agencies have been asking Apple and Google for metadata related to push notifications to, for example, help tie anonymous users of messaging apps to specific Apple or Google accounts. The source declined to identify the foreign governments involved in making the request, but described them as democracies allied to the United States. The source said they did not know how long such information had been gathered in that way. Most users give push notifications a little thought, but they have occasionally attracted attention from technologists because of the difficulty of deploying them without sending data to Google or Apple, end quote. This is kind of a big deal. Gaming live streamer Twitch is planning to shut down operations in South Korea on February 27th, saying the country was prohibitively expensive to operate in despite working to reduce costs. Quoting VentureBeat, Twitch stressed that the situation in South Korea is unique as operating costs are significantly higher than other markets. According to stats from Solly Nome, Korean language channels brought in 98.8 million hours watched over the last 30 days. This accounts for just shy of 5.5% of all hours watched on the platform. Twitch has offered help to Korean streamers that built their communities on the platform to find a new home on other streaming services. To do this, Twitch plans to reach out to competitors in South Korea to support streamers' transitions to other services. According to Sally Nome, there are about 18,500 active affiliates and partners streaming in Korean. This closure will likely have a major impact on the esports market. South Korea is a key region for League of Legends, among other titles. Major publishers such as Riot will have to shift operations quickly and rebuild their platforms elsewhere during the off-season, end quote. But why is South Korea so expensive? Quoting PC Gamer, CEO Dan Clancy offered an explanation to the shutdown, quote, Ultimately, the cost to operate Twitch in Korea is prohibitively expensive, and we have spent significant effort working to reduce these costs so that we could find a way for the Twitch business to remain in Korea, end quote. Clancy goes on to say that despite reducing maximum source quality to 720p and experimenting with a peer-to-peer model, quote, our network fees in Korea are still 10 times more expensive than in most other countries. Twitch has been operating in Korea at a significant loss, and unfortunately, there is no pathway forward for our business to run more sustainably in that country, end quote. The high fees 
come from South Korea's law that dictates content providers have to pay volume-dependent fees in order to deliver their digital goodies through Korean internet service providers. It's proven a hot topic in the country over the last few years, especially as it targets high-bandwidth sites like Google and Netflix, with the latter previously embroiled in a lawsuit with one of South Korea's biggest providers over who should foot the bill, end quote. So these are basically anti-net neutrality fees to the equivalent of South Korean's equivalent of Verizon and AT&T, I guess. One more bit of speculation, on my part at least, wouldn't the fact that Twitch is streaming live as opposed to, you know, cached, downloaded video make things worse for Twitch since there are downloads and uploads at the same time? Sounds like that would be bandwidth intensive. And finally today, another brick taken out of the wall that separates blue bubbles from green bubbles, Beeper has debuted Beeper Mini for Android, which lets users send iMessages using end-to-end encryption without having to use a new number or log in with an Apple ID. They're only charging $2 a month for this privilege. Quoting The Verge, Earlier this year, a developer slid into Eric Mijakovsky's DMs with a spectacular claim that he had reverse-engineered Apple's iMessage, allowing any device, Android, Windows, whatever, to send messages as a blue bubble. Mijakovsky didn't believe what he was reading. I said, BS, no one has done that. No one on earth has done that, said Mijakovsky, CEO of the messaging startup Beeper. He'd tried to do it himself, and he'd messaged everyone he could find who'd ever gotten close. No one had put all the pieces together, he said. But now there was this developer in his DMs, a 16-year-old high school student of all people, linking him to a prototype. And it worked. That prototype became the basis for a new Android app called Beeper Mini that Mijakovsky's startup is launching today. Open the app, and it'll look at all of your text message conversations, figure out which ones are from iMessage users, and switch them over to Blue Bubble conversations on Apple's platform. From then on, whenever you message an iPhone user through Beeper Mini, you'll be using iMessage and they'll be none the wiser. I've been using the app for the past few weeks, and I've been surprised at how smoothly it works. Messages sent from Beeper Mini on my Pixel 8 appear as blue bubbles on the iPhones of my friends and family members. Group chats I'm on automatically switched over to iMessage as soon as someone fired off a meme. Reactions, threads, photos, and videos without the messy text message compression all came through. The best thing I can say about Beeper Mini is that almost no one noticed I was using it. Blue bubbles just started appearing, no lost messages to speak of. Beeper Mini joins a growing list of apps trying to hack the iMessage experience onto Android, but Mijakovsky is adamant that Beeper Mini is not like the other services out there. It is directly sending iMessages. Other services, including Beeper's previous iMessage implementation, would relay messages through a Mac hosted in the cloud. That poses real security problems, as recently exemplified by Sunbird and its nothing-branded spinoff, Nothing Chats. Nothing's app was launched and pulled in just four days after serious security issues were discovered. Sunbird pulled its app shortly thereafter. Beeper Mini avoids some of those problems because it's operating in a fundamentally different way. Its developers figured out how to register a phone number with iMessage, send messages directly to Apple's servers, and have messages sent back to your phone natively inside the app. It was a tricky process that involved deconstructing Apple's messaging pipeline from start to finish. Beeper's team had to figure out where to send the messages, what the messages needed to look like, and how to pull them back down from the cloud. The hardest part, Mijakovsky said, was cracking what is essentially Apple's padlock on the whole system, a check to see whether the connected device is a genuine Apple product. The bigger question may be how long Beeper Mini can survive. Mijakovsky believes he's on the right side of the law. He points to a copyright carve-out for reverse engineering and says there's no Apple code in Beeper Mini, and he believes it'd be too difficult for Apple to cut Beeper off without also breaking iMessage for legions of genuine Apple devices. 
I'm not so sure on either count. Apple is deeply protective of iMessage as a lock-in mechanism for the iPhone, and it's hard to imagine the company ignoring the spate of third-party iMessage solutions forever." End quote. Guess I'd better break out that Pixel 8 Pro I got last month and see how this on-device AI stuff works. I'll let you know. Talk to you tomorrow.